At about 6.30 p.m. on the evening of January 25th, four goalies walk out together in unison and the 32.52 lets out their first loud cheer of the evening. Bank of California, the Cathedral of the Black and Gold is officially alive again. 30 minutes later, a major milestone in LAFC history is reached at the bank as a half dozen LAFC Academy players take the pitch with the first team in front of a sold-out 19,000 screaming fans, 14, 15, and 16-year-old kids, kids who needed a two-week get-out-of-school note to train with the first team. Uruguayan powerhouse Peñarol kicks off our pre-season schedule Peñarol, a team that LAFC has established a working partnership with, owners of 52 league titles and five Copa Libertadores titles, coached by the legend Diego Forlan in his first ever game at the helm. Season three has begun, and we couldn't ask for a better way to kick things off. And with that, welcome to episode 79 of Defenders of the Bank. I am the Scarf, J.R. Liebert, and sitting to my left is my partner in pod and the man very aptly described as sporting a professional faux hawk Christian, uh. Philly, Philemon, Philly. Tell me, when you were 14, 15, and 16, what would you have been doing at 7.30 p.m. on a Saturday night? Well, I love the intro, but first I really want to address this faux hawk thing. So yes, it might look like a faux hawk. I work in finance. It's the closest thing I can do to showing and displaying my freak flag. That along with my amazing socks that have pictures of my cat <laughs> on my feet. But in terms of what I was doing at 14, 15, and 16 on a Saturday at 7.30, I, unlike a lot of people, were spoiled. I lived in Germany, so when I was 15, my friend, I was out hitting the bars. No joke. I was out hitting Irish pubs. Why? Because nobody in Germany cared. So <laughs> what I was doing at 15 and 16, for the most part, is no different than what I'm doing now at 39 with you. <laughs> and we'll keep the pod family friendly and not have you go into <laughs> too many stories about that. But Philly, this was quite a day for your boys at Defenders of the Bank as well. What an incredible experience we had today. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the fun that we had at the bank. Oh, absolutely. I mean, first off, I can't believe that preseason is here. We can't believe that we've already had a tailgate in 2020. We can't believe that we witnessed our first game of 2020. Woo! We can't believe it was against Uruguayan giant Peñarol. Hell, we can't even believe that we saw it from the vantage point that we saw it from, Scarf. Go on. Wanted to give a very special shout out to Aubrey Freckman of LAFC. Look, you made a dream come true for, for JR and I. Getting into the press box and being part of the media was such a special experience and such a great opportunity for Scarf and I and our little pod. It meant the world to us. Also wanted to recognize Vince LaRosa. Thank you for your advice and your guidance. We are forever in both of your debts. Now, as far as the weekend is concerned, our weekend scarf, as you know, began on Friday. Yes. Of course, with another visit to Free Play LA on Black and Gold Fridays. This has become a regular outing for us, Scarf. I don't think we've missed a Black and Gold Friday. And I want to give a shout-out to Aaron. I want to give a shout-out to Gil, as always. Brandon, we're going to give a shout-out to you, even though we didn't see you. Well-deserved weekend off. And Scarf, it was kind of interesting and also kind of a pain in the neck hauling coolers and tents over to Christmas Tree Lane 2.0. But what? We got there around 10.30, 11 o'clock. We got to see some old friends. Yep. We got to see some new friends. We met some Peñarol supporters. 
It's quiet in the beginning, but then obviously it picked up. I mean, what do you think about the tailgate today, dude? A little bit of breaking news. Christmas Tree Lane. How are they going to call it Christmas Tree Lane after this, Philly? There are no more Christmas trees on Christmas Tree Lane. Those little divots where the Christmas trees were, those have been filled in. It's flat. I I don't know what we're going to do. We at Defenders of the Bank are going to find one of those little Charlie Brown Christmas trees, put a little black or gold bulb on the top of it there so we can at least have one Christmas tree in Christmas Tree Lane. Yeah, we were in front of the Natural History Museum, and what made it even more fun at about 10 o'clock is that it was a free museum day at the Natural History Museum. So if you ever wanted to tailgate and drink and barbecue around about 500 kids running through the (laughs) entire place, it was pretty much like my day being a teacher combined with my day helping to run a podcast. It was an interesting morning, and it did feel a little bit out of place, not over at Christmas Tree Lane, but over in front of the Natural History Museum. But then everybody started to arrive, Philly, and it was like the first day of school all over again saying hi, hugging, helping set up tents, smelling the food start to cook. Oh, yeah. It was amazing how quickly all those good feelings came right back. And sure enough, by about 11, 1130, everyone was there on Christmas Tree Lane, and the party had begun. I say we it's no longer going to be Christmas Tree Lane. For, from now on, we're just going to refer to it as Tailgate Lane because, well, you said it. There's no more trees there. They put more grass on the field on an area that's going to get trampled. That's what I'm calling it from now on. In fact, you're hearing it here first on this podcast. Christmas Tree Lane is now dubbed Tailgate Lane by Defenders of the Bank. And just being around everybody just made me realize how much we miss everything, how much yep. we love the club, yep. how much we love the community. And, and speaking of which community, I want to give a really, really big shout out to Matt Halverson of Body yes, Armor. Sir. Dude, once again, thank you for your generosity in buying us our tent. We are so humbled by your generosity. And as a result of that, all season long, Defenders, we will be carrying and handing out free bottles of body armor at the tailgates. Thank you, Matt. It really means a lot. And we also wanted to give a shout out to our friend from Free Play, James, and of course, Mike, for providing us with a few cases of Estrella Galicia. It's a Pilsner from Spain. You guys are all awesome. Again, we love this community. We love the supporters. We love... Shoot, we love everybody. There's a lot of love going on today, dude. Shout out to our buddy Brad there as well. We can't forget about Brad. James is definitely one of our more vocal guys in terms of the text and everything else. But it was Brad that went back there and got us those cases from James. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Again, to everybody at Free Play and at the Fields, despite them throwing two different job fairs over two different days at them over at Fields and Free Play. It was pretty cool. It was great to just be back at LAFC HQ again, walking around, looking at all the different things that I'll be broken buying at some point <laughs> during the course of the season. I was pretty bummed, though, Philly. You and I were actually looking to add to our respective kit and scarf collections, but nothing from Penyarol today. Kind of a bummer. In fact, I think the Dortmund game is the only international friendly that we have actually had merchandise sold by the other team. So I'm a little bummed. I'm going to go on eBay later tonight and cop me a Penyarol scarf if I can find one. And you're going to have to get one of those kits at some point, too. That was a pretty nice kit that they had going on there today. But, you know, it was just it was a really momentous day. And I think that segues right into this day. In LAFC history, we are actually recording this. Oh, my goodness, Philly. It is 1.10 in the morning on Sunday, January 26th, 
2020. Let's flash ahead to January 27th. We're going to take you through January on this day in LAFC history, January 27th, 2019, last season. Walker Zimmerman and Christian Ramirez both score for the U.S. men's national team in a 3-0 win over Panama. Panama. That was the first U.S. men's national team cap for Christian Ramirez. Also on that day, while Walker and Christian were wearing the red, white, and blue, LAFC opened their preseason schedule with a 3-1 victory over Toronto FC at the home of the Anteaters, UC Irvine. Former captain Laurent Simon started against LAFC for Toronto that day. 2019 Super Draft pick Peter Lee Vassell scored in a PK in his debut. And Baggio Husidic makes his LAFC debut in the preseason. He became the first player to play for both Carson and LAFC in any competitive match in our two teams' combined history. On the next day, January 28th in 1984, he's just a year younger than myself, Philly. Happy birthday, to one of our favorites of the franchise, Jordan Harvey. Happy birthday, Jordan. On January 28, 2017, that's right, back before any games were played, LAFC hosts the Originals Foundation event. Four blocks forming a circle signed by 2,000 Originals members laid in the ground at center pitch before the construction of Bank of California was complete. Two years later, on January 28, 2019, Amadou Dia joins the 2019 preseason camp as a trialist. He never made the regular season roster, but he caught on with Phoenix Rising for the 2019 season. On the 30th, in 1992, happy birthday, Omar Gaber, a member of the 2018 inaugural team, didn't really pan out as he left to go back home to Pharaohs in the Egyptian League, a little bit happier there, and not quite as homesick. On January 30th, 2018, we signed Dayon Jakovic as a free agent, and a bit more of a tumultuous signing on January 30th, 2019, we acquired Fito Zelaya as a transfer from Alianza. And of course, that went well for everybody involved. And on our last day in January, January 31st, 2018, LAFC announces a partnership with YouTube TV as both Jersey sponsor and local television broadcaster. And finally, kind of a fitting way, Philly, to end this day in LAFC history on January 31st, 2019, LAFC defeats Japanese J1 League side Vissel Kobe, of course, with David Villa, Lukas Podolski, and Andres Iniesta in a preseason international friendly 4-1. Carlos Vela with a brace, Dejan Djakovic with a goal, and of course... He scored the fourth goal against Vissel Kobe. Kevin Mendoza. Yeah, the name that will live forever in LAFC lore. He scored and then was cut about six hours later, a 2019 draft pick. And that is this day in LAFC history. Philly, lots of news and notes to catch everybody up on, though. We had a lot of things dropped this week in news and notes. All right, so the first bit of news that we have, and it just got announced recently, is the fact that LAFC has changed the date for our home match against FC Dallas. The game was originally scheduled for September 11th. Rest in peace. FC Dallas match is now scheduled for 7 p.m. on Sunday, September the 13th. Yeah, mark your calendars. That's only, what, about seven months away or so, so make sure you guys get that Time changed. flies, man. That ne- You need to figure that out and put it on a calendar. Otherwise, 
you're going to go to the match on the wrong day and you're going to feel like a schlub because that's something I'm going to probably do. So I'm going to fix it on my calendar right now. There you go. How about Walker Zimmerman? He was named to coach Greg Burhalter's final 22 man roster for the U.S. men's national team match against Costa Rica on February 1st at a small park in Carson. Interesting to <laughs> note, Walker is just one of two players, Philly, prepping for Costa Rica, whose Major League Soccer team is also prepping for the Champions League, the other being your former mates, NYCFC, their keeper, Sean Johnson. So just two players out of the, I think there were 19 of the final 22 that are Major League Soccer players, 17 of them, no Champions League to prepare for. Walker Zimmerman and Sean Johnson, the only two that have to prep for Champions League action. But Philly, there was another move announced while we were sitting in the press box just about an hour before kickoff by LAFC. Yeah, we signed a homegrown player from the Barca Academy. More on that in a second. He played quite a bit. His name was Bryce Duke. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the term homegrown player, Scarf, why don't you enlighten the listeners as to what a homegrown player is? All right, so before we enlighten you on Bryce Duke, I looked up, because I was curious, had LAFC ever had a homegrown player? We actually don't know. It was originally, Philly and I both swear we saw this on the interwebs, right? Philly, you thought you saw it too. I'm pretty sure I did too. We thought it was Shaft Brewer, but Generation Adidas was He's a Generation Adidas player, but I think we thought someone had reported at one point, and if not, then we're reporting that someone reported it and we're wrong in our reporting it. But either way, we thought that LAFC had announced him as the first homegrown player in team history. And that got me to thinking, well, what exactly is a homegrown player? And it really does tie in Philly with five players who played today in the incredible match. A club may sign a player to a contract without subjecting him to the MLS super draft. If the player has been a member of that club's youth academy for at least one year and has met the necessary training and retention requirements, which I do not know what those are. Players joining Major League Soccer through this mechanism are known as homegrown players. They receive the designation as a homegrown player on the club's roster, and there is no limit to the number of homegrown players a club may sign in a given year. They can occupy a slot on any of the three main rosters, the senior roster, the supplemental roster, or the reserve roster. And there's a whole bunch of different salary things that go on once they become a member of the roster and this, that, or the other thing. And I thought, Philly, this is all very interesting, but wouldn't it be great if someone can explain to us how we can sign a player from someone else's academy, in this case, Real Salt Lake, to a homegrown contract for our team? Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned the fact that you know they would be coming out of our youth academy. Now, we're still developing our youth academy. And you saw firsthand on the pitch today several of our academy players performing for the first time. But Bryce Duke didn't come out of our youth academy, obviously. We don't even have players old enough to really come out of our youth academy completely. And as per LAFC.com, the club acquired Bryce Duke's homegrown rights from Real Salt Lake in exchange for $50,000 in 2021 GAM, general allocation money. Now, Duke spent the 2019 time period with the Barca Residency Academy U18 and U19 in Arizona. And that prompted me to look, well, what the heck is the Barca Academy? What's this about it being in Arizona? Well, did a little bit of research. Apparently in August of 2017, in the city of Casa Grande, in an agreement between FC Barcelona and Grande Sports World, they created a educational 
residential academy for young soccer players in the U.S. Now, I think together, just now, we all just learned something new. And that being the case, that's how we acquired Bryce Duke. And Philly. Welcome to LAFC, buddy. Just so that you know, Casa Grande means large house. In <laughs> I, I, I do know that. Thank oh, well, there much. you go. All right. So that's Bryce Duke. Another bit of news that happened, and we're going to tie this into the game, but we had a Peñarol player by the name of Facundo Torres, a 19-year-old graduate of the Peñarol Academy. He practiced with LAFC this week. Now, he had yet to feature on Peñarol's first team prior to today, but he represented the U15 and the U17 in who knows? Maybe we have another Peñarol player in the pipeline. He had an impact on today's match and a golden opportunity. More on that later. But yeah, that's the news that came out this week. Yeah, a little LAFC news and notes recap for everybody. And a segment that we are very excited to debut here on Defenders of the Bank. It'll last for as long as it takes to get to our match against Leon down in Guanajuato. This is a new segment called Looking Towards Leon on January 11th. The second half of the Liga MX season, known as the Clausura, kicked off with Leon defeating Queretaro 3 1 behind a brace off of two PKs from Angel Mena. Leon controlled possession 61 39, and the game featured 30 three fouls on Sunday the 19th Santos Laguna defeated Leon 3-2 Mania netted another goal for Leon in the loss and this game featured somehow 41 fouls with no yellow cards jeez how does that happen I don't know finally Leon defeated one of Dave Denholm's favorite teams Pachuca 3-0 on Saturday despite a paltry 29 fouls in this game Five yellow cards were doled out, and yes, that man scored again. Angel Mena scoring for the fourth time in three games in the Clausura, and keeper Rodolfo Copa kept a clean sheet, making two whole saves in the match. After three matches in the Clausura, Leon sits at the top of the table with six points and a plus four goal differential, and Leon's next match will be a road test against Morelia on Friday January 31st. That is our little segment called Looking Towards Leon and Philly. It's finally time to talk about the match against Peñarol. Absolutely. And as far as our pregame ritual is concerned, normally Ali is the Falcon that takes flight. But in this case, Ali had the night off. Fig took over. And <laughs> Scarf, you and I always joke about, oh man, we're so yep. nervous we'd poop ourselves. Yep. Fig literally just did what we joke about doing. He pooped right before he took off. I thought it was the funniest thing. As far as who the honorary falconer was who got the chance to see this from yeah. a bird's eye view, plenty of pun intended, Mikey Garcia. Professional lightweight boxer. This kid has held multiple world championships in four weight classes. And one thing I don't know if many of you all noticed out there, since Peñarol was a friendly, Fig didn't attack the lore in the sense that it had a crest on it. Ken's lore was blank. Why? Because this is a friendly. Might have turned into a feisty friendly as the match progressed, but <laughs> Peñarol's crest was not to be decapitated and decimated Maybe slightly pooped on by Fig, but that's how we started it off. And then shortly after that, one thing that we wanted to note was the loss of 32-52. 
and Cuero's member, Jaime Cavillo, who passed away recently. He was just 59 years young. He was a big piece of the North End with his drums. His heartbeat will forever remain in the North End. And of course, at Bank of California Stadium, we had a moment of silence for his passing and our sincerest thoughts and deepest condolences go out to Jaime and his family and of course to our friend in the 3252 and the Cuervos and I was scouring through Instagram I saw a beautiful post of a jersey for Jaime on the capo stand with some flowers he will be missed we want to take a quick moment of silence to show respect for a fallen member of our black and gold community Thank you for the patience on that. Rest in peace, Jaime. Nothing but love. Yeah, now- that's right. You know, it was it was definitely a sad way to begin today. But the one thing that we we do know is that his Aztec drums and those drumming will live on forever in the thirty two fifty two. Philly, let's get into the starting lineup first for Penarol. You know, it's a lot of fun to see players that I have absolutely not much of an idea about before they take the pitch for the first time. It was pretty cool. They started in goal. Tiago Cardoza, he had a couple of good saves there in goal in the first half. We'll talk more about him later. Rounding out the rest of the starting lineup, Giovanni Gonzalez, Fabricio Formiliano, Rodrigo Abascal, Gabriel Rojas, Christian Varoche, Matias De Los Santos, Jonathan Oreta Vizcaya, Facundo Pelistri, David Terrans, and Shisco Jimenez, of course, coached by Diego Forlan, and we will eventually see a couple of the players that we talked about. This was a fun lineup here for Peñarol, but LAFC Philly making some changes, and there was one particular player in the starting lineup we might have to educate some of our listeners on. Absolutely, absolutely. I just wanted to address something you mentioned. Four out of the six players that we mentioned on the Peñarol preview featured today, but more on that later. And as a reminder, for those of you wondering why certain players started and why certain players didn't feature, we want to remind you that we had boys that were out on international duty. Yep. Rossi and Janela were out with Uruguay. Segura and Atuesta were out with Colombia. Zimmerman off with the United States men's national team. Cifuentes, who will probably be back sooner and hopefully healthy, he was recently with Ecuador on international duty. And for those of you wanting to see Walker Zimmerman play, we mentioned it. He'll be at a little park down in Carson playing with the U.S. men's national team in a match versus Costa Rica on February 1st. But as far as the starters were concerned, Scarf, the keeper wearing the number one yeah. on the back of his kit, Kenneth Vermeer starting in the back of the net. We're going to talk about him in a bit. Yeah, he looked pretty good today. Oh, yeah. We had Latif Blessing starting in the back line in in a different role. I know. That was fun to watch. Tristan Blackman, who I think is going to secure his spot in that starting lineup. Dejan Djokovic, I think him having a son has completely re-motivated him and his game. He looked really good today. Yep. Then we had Diego Palacios. We had Kevon Lambert That's out there. That's the guy there. I was talking about, Philly. Who in the world is Kevon Lambert? Kevon Lambert was a player that came to us along with two of his teammates from Phoenix Rising. Kevon is a Jamaican midfielder who had nine caps with the Jamaican national team. And Scarf, believe it or not, he spent a little bit of time on trial with West Ham. I believe yes, it. Yes, the West Ham in the Premier League. So here's a guy who 
featured in our starting lineup who we hadn't heard about until this matchup once we were given the roster list up in yeah, the press box. Yeah, we didn't know he box. was training with the team. We didn't know any Phoenix Rising players were training with the team. Yeah. And he looked pretty good out there. But yeah, he blessed the starting lineup. We had, name that Perez. That would be Josh this time. And then Philly... Was there a ghost sighting in the starting lineup? No longer a ghost sighting. We lovingly and jokingly referred to the ghost of Alejandro Guido, but he is no longer playing the role of Casper, the friendly ghost. He is a real person, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Alejandro Guido, if you don't remember, he played for Cholos in Liga MX. He didn't really feature much during last season, but he started on our team. Loyola Marymounts, pride and joy, right. and a player you almost lost your mind over and got us <laughs> kicked out of the press box for, Adrian Perez started, and he uh, he made a bit of an impact on the game today, yeah. I think so. And of course, rounding everything out, we had Raito, Brian Rodriguez, and of course, the man, the myth, the left foot, the man with the greatest hair now in Major League Soccer, and the greatest <laughs> left foot any of us have ever seen, Carlos Bella! Yeah, you know, Brian Rodriguez starting against his old team, Peñarol, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. He looked like he was pressing it a little bit today, but that's okay. Rest assured, everybody, we were handed a roster and an availability list in the press box today that was about 30 players long, and Philly and I looked at it and went, whoa, all right. We got a lot of guys that we are going to talk about throughout the course of our game recap. We will get to them. But for right now, it's game time. And it would not have been an LAFC game unless we got to see Latif Blessing do Latif Blessing things. And despite him playing on the back line, as you mentioned, Philly, in the first minute, he pushed all the way up and created a chance. Nothing came of it. But oh my goodness. To see Latif doing Latif things, we picked up right back where he left off. He looked like he was one of the fastest players on the pitch, able to turn and stop on a dime. Second minute, Kenneth Vermeer got his first small test. And then what I liked in the third minute, Philly, is we saw Diego Palacios on the opposite side of Latif Blessing. He was pushing all the way up. We're three minutes in, and two of our wing defenders already pushing all the way up and creating chances, and that let the door open for Raito for the next couple of minutes. Indeed, but one thing I want to touch on that I took note of was Kenneth Vermeer made an aggressive push outside of the box to thwart Peñarol's push. He came out like a freight train. One thing I will say about Tyler Miller and Pablo Cisniega is they don't have that imposing physical presence that Kenneth Vermeer does. That guy just jumped outside the box like a freight train. Oh my Lord, if I saw a man of that stature coming at me, I would be shook in my cleats. That right there, I mean, the confidence that he had, like you, you'd see Miller, you'd see Cisniega come out, but like the confidence, that freight train, that physique, Kenneth Vermeer, man, in a short 45 minutes, made an unbelievable case as to why he really should be starter number one. And you might get, I might get a couple of people out there that are going to think, well, that's not a really good body of work. But heck, his entire career is a good body of work. The yeah. man shut out Germany when he was on international duty for Holland. That was impressive. As far as Raito was concerned, you said it earlier on, I think he was feeling a bit too froggy because he jumped quite a bit, but he displayed some fancy footwork. Fifth minute, he set up a nice cross, nearly connecting with Alejandro Guido, no longer a ghost. 
He looked pretty good early on, but like I said, instances where he felt a little too froggy, he clearly was eager to make his impact felt. And in due time, ladies and gentlemen, he will produce for us. He is too talented of a player not to. And I know some of you are going to argue out there, Andre Horta, but I think the major difference between Horta and Rayito, not necessarily on a talent level, a chemistry level. It really seems as if Rayito has gelled well and his chemistry is so much better with this squad than Andre Horta's was. And as a result of that, I really do think Rayito is going to produce massive dividends for our club. Look, I've said it time and time again on the pod as well. As soon as he gets one into the back of the net, you are going to start seeing them come in bunches. But someone, Philly, who knows how to put it in the back of the net better than any player in Major League Soccer, it took him... 10 minutes. We were sitting next to a wonderful young woman, Marissa Callie. She does her own uh, social media stuff. She was covering the game for, I believe it was Nuts and Bolts Sports is what it was called. And the pass goes over to Carlos. And, and we were already doing our best not to cheer. Can I just tell you guys, <laughs> sitting sitting in the press box for the first time, we, we had never done it before. We're going to do it again for the Toronto game the preseason friendly on the 12th of February. But sitting there and not being able to cheer was only made worse by the fact that we were also not able to drink. So <laughs> it was really tough. And as soon as the pass went to Carlos, I turned and I go, oh, left foot. And yeah, before no I even got the words out of my mouth, it's the left foot of God off a pass from Latif Blessing. 10 minutes into the match, 10 minutes into the season, Carlos Vela on the board. He might have put on maybe about 5 or 10 pounds in the offseason. He might have grown his hair out the entire time and not seen a scissor or a razor in quite some time. But there is nothing that that man's left foot cannot do. And the bank erupted. What an incredible shot. Once again, I mean, look. Go back and replay anything else that he's done from that side, switches to his left, takes a small dribble, fires at home. It doesn't matter. Penural, it doesn't matter if it's Carson, it doesn't matter who it's against. The man is just a legend. Absolutely incredible. Philly, we talked about number 10, Facundo Palistri. He looked every bit like a number 10, especially 17 minutes in, a rocket off the foot missing just wide. And Philly, you had talked about him already once on the pod. I'm going to give you a chance to wax poetic about the Dutchman once again, the former goalie for Ajax and Feyenoord in the 19th minute. Ladies and gentlemen, Kenneth Vermeer. Oh, what an asset he's going to be. I mean, he definitely plays with a different level of confidence that we have ever seen as far as our keepers are concerned. He's a physically imposing guy. He's got tremendous experience. He's going to be a very, very good mentor to whoever we keep as far as our keepers are concerned. I really hope Philip Edgemato sticks around. I don't know enough about PETA. Uh, I thought we would see them feature. But yeah, Kenneth Vermeer, fantastic fantastic player yeah a guy that we mentioned Jonathan Oneda Vizcaya he was someone who we said to look out for and Kenneth Vermeer I mean again go back do yourself a favor go back it's the all-state save of the match is it still all-state I think it's still all-state right there are our sponsor for the save of the match whatever it was the save of the match go back and take a look and my note that I wrote down 34 years old and still that athletic absolutely incredible and you mentioned it Philly while we were talking about our starting lineup, in the 25th minute, Dayon Djakovic coming back, having to track all the way back, making a beautiful stop. 
And Penrall, though, even though he made a great stop, it was 1v1. Penrall got it back, and there's Facundo Pellistri once again hammering yeah. it just wide in the 25th minute. You know, and I said again in the 27th, Raito pressing a little bit more against his old team. Yeah, I mean, he lost the ball, and clearly he had jitters. He definitely had jitters. Going back to Pellestri, one thing that we did mention on the last pod is yeah. he is a young player who showed veteran prowess. I mean, he was very aggressive on goal, and he nearly, nearly beat Kenneth Vermeer. He just missed wide right, but watching this kid within the time period that we witnessed him in, there's no wonder why clubs like Atletico Madrid are looking at him. He is a great, great prospect. He is, along with Loretta Vizcaya, the most valuable players in terms of a transfer market value on, on Peñarol, and, and he looked good. Now, Yakovic, we talked about him having this newfound motivation. 25th minute, he broke up an attempt where Rodrigo's pressing to score a goal. And then a couple of minutes later, Yakovic breaks up another play. Yep. And he looked really good defensively out there. One thing, again, I have always wondered this because, well, I'm just married with a cat. Yakovic just had a son. <laughs> and I've often wondered. I love Schmitty. That is my fur baby. But I've often wondered if, and for all you listeners out there, if we're at a tailgate or you want to direct message us, Please answer the question for me if, if you have an answer. I definitely feel like him having a son, him getting re-signed to this contract, has, has just given him a new, new motivation, a new like zest for life, a new, like, I want to prove myself, I want to be the best I can be so I can like prove something and I can have my kid be proud of me. And Man, it was just a different Yakovic this preseason match than, than he had been playing in, in past matches. You know, we've seen, though, in the limited minutes that he gets, Dejan Djakovic looks really, really solid back there. And to me, that's part of the reason why I think uh, they signed, or excuse me, re-signed Jordan Harvey and Dejan Djakovic in the offseason. They know how solid these guys are. And it's just one of those things that uh, it's so good to see him back there. That... <laughs> play that you mentioned led to Peñarol though eventually getting the ball back and taken back by Latif in the 28th minute all I wrote was I love Latif he, <laughs> he, he races back takes possession turns it upfield fast enough to earn a foul slows down the offense for the other team it's just it's one of those things that you have to watch Latif day in and day out to really understand the type of effect that he has whether he's playing wing whether he's playing midfield or in this case whether he's playing wing defender, it was absolutely incredible. And Philly, we had Marissa next to us who absolutely loved the call to arms chant. Oh, yeah. With cell phone lights ablaze, the hoo, ha, the cheer was in full effect. Raito takes the ball all the way to the top of the box and gets his shot blocked. I I'm telling you, just wait. Please wait. As soon as he scores a goal, this place's lid is going to come off. But Philly... There have been very few times where I've had actual chills because of something happening on the pitch. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this and how historical it was. I, I was looking out at these kids and we saw them running up and down as they were training on the sidelines. And when I say kids, I literally mean kids, 14, 15, 16 year old academy kids. And I stood up in the 31st minute. Yeah, we're not supposed to cheer from the press box or root for anybody else. And I really didn't say anything that audible. But I just looked over at Marissa and I was talking with Philly and I said, this is one of those seminal, pivotal, unforgettable moments in team history. The 31st minute, subbing out 
the ghost of Alejandro Guido, and today the way he played, unfortunately, the ghost of Brian Rodriguez. He really <laughs> didn't show up on the pitch all that much. But subbing in number 35, Eric Duaneus, and number 42, Christian Torres, I believe, Philly, both of these kids born in 2004 oh, as a product of the LAFC Academy, the first time that any academy product has taken the pitch in a meaningful game. This Look, we know it's just preseason, right? But one thing that Bob Bradley has said that we have heard him say time and time again, when you have the ball, take your moment. Make something of the chance. And we are going to talk about how these two guys, Eric Duenas and Christian Torres, made the most of their moment. Absolutely. And if you didn't know what was going on, you were sitting high up in the nosebleeds. From your vantage point, you would have thought, all right, no big deal. Two subs haven't heard of these guys. But they weren't guys. They were children. (laughs) They were children. And the way they played, you wouldn't even think that was the case. They played with such poise, such confidence that, again, if you didn't know what was going on and you happened to tune into the game, not on TV, not on ESPN Radio, because you couldn't because there were no viewing rights, the only way you could have saw this match was by following Peñarol on Instagram and watching their live stream. You wouldn't have thought that these children were children. You would have thought they were men because they played amongst men and they played really well and what a moment and what a time in our club's history and you're right had any of them scored a goal and I'll tell you that Torres had three shots on goal he looked great three shots on goal absolutely if if he would have scored I we would have erupted and you know what if that would have forfeited our ability to be back in the press (laughs) press, I really don't think anybody would have been upset because we would have witnessed one of the greatest moments not only in our club's history but in the life of a young teenager who has worked so incredibly hard to accomplish something that not many of us will ever get a chance to accomplish he he lived out his dream and not many people can say that that happened and God bless these kids God bless the fact that Bob put them in the game we had six academy players that were on the roster making up for the six spots on our roster for our players that were on international duty. And like you said, chills, what a moment. Can you imagine Monday going back to school? Heck no. After training. I can't even imagine going back to work on Monday. With the black and gold for two weeks because they got their get out of school email that was, you know, made sure LAFC took care of all that stuff for them. Can you imagine? Oh, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, you know, I went to the Grove, or oh, you know, I hung out with some friends, or played some oh, Call of Duty. I, I played Fortnite, played Fortnite. Or Call of Duty. <laughs> oh, yeah, you guys know Carlos Vela. Yeah, we were on the same team. We 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 played a game in front of nineteen thousand people, and I got a shot on goal, and it was set up by Latif Blessing. Oh, yeah, you guys know Latif Blessing. Yeah, he he passed me the ball, and I made a beautiful shot on goal in the thirty fifth minute. Christian Torres. There were so many times where he took his moment by the horns. I absolutely loved it. And, and and honestly, from the 35th minute, when Tristan Blackman made this great play, a oh, 1v1 man. stop. Palestri had that set up beautifully. Absolutely. It would have been a goal, man. He and, came out of nowhere. And if, we, if this was the ultimate warrior from parts unknown, <laughs> Tristan Blackman. And, and the ball winds up finding its way to Christian Torres, who took a shot on goal from a beautiful setup by Latif. And then, look... After that minute, it's 36 minute. When Duaneus earns a corner with a great rundown on the very next ball, Torres earns a corner and the south end erupts as Carlos Vela takes the corner. It is so cool to see what happens when Carlos Vela comes over to the corner. That entire corner of the stadium just erupts. 
You can't ask for a better corner than that from Vela. Kevon Lambert missed it just wide with his head. He couldn't get a touch on it. And then Tristan, expecting Lambert to get it, only got a small piece of it as he pushed it wide. What an incredible corner kick once again yeah. from our captain, Carlos Vela. And then look, in the 40th minute, Eric Duanius, again, I said he looks like he had a little bit of wiggle. He made a nice move, slots it to Adrian Perez for a corner-inducing shot. And then Philly... I'm going to let you play a little name that Perez here in the 41st minute. The corner by Carlos Vela made it on goal, by the way. And will you please name that Perez for who was able to put that into the back of the net off the rebound by Carlos Vela? First off, I'm going to ask you a question, Scarf. Yes. What do we say Fig did prior to flight? Pooped. That's pretty much what you did when Adrian Perez <laughs> punched a goal in the back of the net. I had to restrain you because you were about to lose your mind. You Loyola Marymount Lion, you. LMU's it was, finest. It was so exciting. No, no, not me, Adrian Perez. No, no, no. no. You're, you're LMU's finest too, man. You'll eventually be in the Distinguished Alumni Hall of Fame. I have no doubts about that. <laughs> just, just, just stick with me, kid. We'll, we'll all, go places. All eight of us, huh? <laughs> but, man, he... He came from Ontario. Ontario what? Ontario Fury. If you don't know what we're talking about, please go check out. <laughs> what what boy band was he a part of again? Oh, as in O-Town. Oh, my goodness. Okay, look, do yourself a favor. Google, pause the podcast for just a second, everybody. Don't worry, you'll thank us. Google the Ontario Fury theme song. I think it's called Ontario what? Ontario Fury. I don't even know the name of it, right? Done by a guy from O-Town. Go all the way to the end. Yeah, it's the best part. And at the very end of it, you will see former Ontario Fury icon, Adrian Perez. He's got an LAFC shirt on, and he lifts it up to reveal his Ontario Fury love as well. Yeah, Philly, that was pretty Philly, cool. he was playing indoor soccer in front of 700 people a year and a half ago. Oh, my God. And he comes in, and he scores the second goal of the game. Again, I really thought you would poop yourself. The bank goes nuts. Adrian Perez scores. And we were in the post-game press conference. Bob was asked about Adrian Perez, and Bob said he's been scoring consistently all throughout practice. Yep. Bob wasn't even surprised that Adrian put one in in the back of the net, but... Good for you, kid. Again, the fact that you came out of the indoor league, made it onto the LAFC roster, survived, made it onto another year, scoring a goal in the first preseason match of the year. Huh, Ontario what? Ontario Fury. Yeah, Philly, what we heard from Bob in the press conference after the game, can you believe the Liverpool player that he winds up comparing Adrian Perez to? Firmino. He compared him to Roberto Firmino, and when that was brought up to Adrian Perez's attention in the postgame conference, I mean, he lit up like a like a Christmas tree. It was <laughs> it was quite endearing. Yeah, Firmino, one of the best strikers in the world. That was pretty cool to hear Bob Bradley talk about the and, LMU Lion great Adrian Perez in the same sentence as Roberto Firmino. And uh, speaking of Firmino, and a striker with very nice teeth. Yeah, ver- <laughs> there you go. Very nice teeth. Right before the end of the half, I would just like to say, if you wouldn't mind, if there's a way for you to go back and take a look at the Deke move that, again, 16-year-old Christian Torres put on the defender for Peñarol as he got up in the air. He deked right under him and had a go at it for a beautiful save. Another example of this kid taking the time that he had there on the pitch, making the most of it. The half ends, LAFC up 2-0 Philly, and we looked pretty good in terms of controlling pace of play. We had a lot of veterans out there over the course of the first half. 
you know, we, we led shots, 8-7, led shots on target. This is a big one, 6-1, forcing Penarol's goalie to make four saves, only seven fouls. And if you heard anything like what the Klausuda has been so far for Leon, seven fouls and a half must be what they get in the first 10 minutes of the game out there. <laughs> Slugfest. You know, we, we shared corners at three apiece, a couple of offsides called on both sides, Dayon earning the only yellow card of the match thus far. And of course, 2 nothing. LAFC and Philly, get ready. We promised our listeners, you're going to hear an awful lot about an awful lot of different players coming in in the second half. What blew my mind, Philly, is the only two players that stayed out there were the academy kids. But right before we kicked off, something blew Zach Abdel's mind. <laughs> well, real quick, I just want to give my first half analysis. Yes. And my first half analysis is the fact <laughs> Another that... Another smooth segue from Defenders of the Bank. Clearly. <laughs> you and I had a hard time restraining ourselves from cheering. It amazes me how professional some people can be. Like, how could you not cheer? It's just it's just a tough thing to watch a football match objectively. When you see some really cool things, it's tough not to go, ooh, or ah, or wow, or yeah. That was tough. That was my first half analysis. But <laughs> the funniest thing, the reason why I, I am so happy doing a podcast with you, my friend, yes, sir. is because we were on the same wavelength without even knowing that we were on the same wavelength. <laughs> Before he, Scarf even brought this to my attention, I'm writing this down. And my exact words were, during halftime, a moment that maybe I only caught, Zach Abdel was out warming up Pablo Cisniega, and then the sprinklers came on and blasted him. I got a little chuckle after that. No sooner than 10 seconds after I hit period and space, Scarf comes up, sits down next to me, and goes, Bro, did you see what happened to Zach Abdel? He got shot with a sprinkler. I had to laugh right away, and I pointed at my computer screen, look at what I wrote. That's why this podcast works. That's me why and this works, dude my to my right are on the same wavelength in so many ways. Even I love though, it. Even though we might screw up the uh, the segues. <laughs> we're, we're getting better. Eventually, we'll actually get into our own smooth segues. As long as we don't have to ride segues. I will not do that. good. Yeah, or rollerblade. All right, so uh. <laughs> coming into the second half, a player we knew we would see plenty of here in the preseason, number 23, Pablo Cisniega back there in goal, San Pablo. And two players on the back line that our fans need no introduction to, the veteran leader number two, Jordan Harvey, and the now healthy and a player who we hope will really contribute over the course of this coming season, Mohamed El Munir. And that about ends the list of the guys that I had heard of on the back line. Eric Duaneus actually moved to the back line, Philly, but rounding out our back line, another academy player. Number 45 on the pitch, Tony Leone. And from what I hear, a lot of people are speculating the fact that he might be the first academy player yeah. to break through to the first team. Really, really exciting stuff. But that rounded out the back line. As far as our midfield is concerned, yep. that consisted of Jorge Gonzalez. For those of you unfamiliar, he was our second-round draft pick from SIU Edwardsville. Following him is Jordan Schweitzer, who is a Phoenix Rising player who spent his youth time in the Seattle Sounders Youth Academy, and he sort of mulled around on different uh, clubs. He was a part of Orlando City B for a little while. The Colorado Switchbacks was another club that he spent some time with in the USL Championship. And we mentioned him earlier, our homegrown player, Bryce Duke, yep. rounded out the midfield. And as far as our forwards are concerned... 
The one player that's name you would recognize, Woo! I call him our great one, the number 99, yep. Adama Diamande. He got into a little friendly conversation <laughs> a little later on in the match. They More were just on that discussing later. where to get the best Uruguayan food in Los Angeles. Oh, 100%. Christian Torres, who subbed in the match earlier in the first half at number 42, and our second of the first-round draft picks from the University of Michigan, Jack Callahan, who he showed some bits of uh, brilliance out there. A couple of mistakes here and there. A a meh on his corner kick, but he had a nice little spin move to avert a defender, and that rounded out our second-half lineup. And, Philly, you and I both came to the same conclusion. We took a lot fewer notes in the second half because, frankly— I don't know how often these 11 players or whatever combination of 11 players, and Bob kind of alluded to this in the post-game press conference, it was more of just needing leadership out there and more of an attrition thing. I don't know how much of these 11 players played with each other at all, but the guy who was actually training with LAFC in the 57th minute, Facundo Torres for Peñarol, forces a beautiful diving save by Pablo Cisniega, And again, a player that you had mentioned, Philly, as training with LAFC over the course of the last couple days or so, Facundo Torres in the 57th minute, forcing a beautiful diving save by San Pablo on the counter. Christian Torres with his third shot on goal, but this one to his second different goalie, Kevin Dawson. And Pablo Cisniega had another really, really good stop. But where Pablo made a bit of a faux pas in the 61st minute, he fouled Dennis Oliver really hard in the box. Took him out. Which led to a penalty kick. And at that point, we saw a player who we said earlier practiced with LAFC earlier in the week. Facundo Torres had his golden opportunity. He stared down Pablo Cisniega right in the eye. He kicked the ball from 11 meters out, clearly beating Pablo Cisniega, who made the opposite decision. But lo and behold, Facundo Torres missed, hit the left side of the post, and Pablo's faux pas mistake turned out to be a really, really good decision because the young Facundo Torres, playing in his first ever match with Peñarol senior team, Missed out on his golden moment. (laughs) Yeah, he did. 63rd minute. Speaking of golden moments, Eric Duena subbing out. Again, the 16-year-old who looked great. What a game for this kid. Subbing out for a player who I can only describe as having Kirk Gibson speed, Younes Budati. (laughs) If you have not seen footage of Kirk Gibson rounding the bases in 88, pumping his fist, clearly with a knee injury, Look, I'm not saying that Younes Budadi was a little slower than some of the other players on the pitch. I'm just saying he's not fast. Christian Torres also coming out in the 63rd minute. Philly, let's get through our third player from Phoenix Rising coming into the game, number 34, Junior Flemings. Something that he shares in common with Kevon Lambert was the fact that they both are from Jamaica and similarly played nine caps with the national team. I believe Peter Lee Vassell... Definitely on the pitch with these two guys at some point for the Jamaican national team. Of course, we wish all the best for Peter Lee. Bryce Duke in the 68th minute. Great pass into the box, but Muhammad Omanir just couldn't finish. And in the 68th minute, also there at the end of the 68th, Tony Leone coming out. He got a little cup of coffee, played about 23, 24 minutes there with the club. Comes out for fellow Academy product, number 44, Diego Rosales. If you're keeping score at home, that is four Academy players 
into the game in an official capacity for the, what was it, gray and white we said, right? Not black and gold today. And then poor Bryce Duke. You mentioned it, right? In the 70th minute, absolutely trucked on a foul. To reference wrestling stuff like we always do, JBL, he got the clothesline from hell as far as I'm concerned. He got laid out. But I will say prior to Bryce Duke getting laid out, Jack Hallahan had an unbelievable move to avert a defender to pass the ball to Bryce Duke. Unfortunately, Duke was the recipient (laughs) of that clothesline from hell. Shout out. JBL. But. It's like those NFL players where their quarterback leads them over the middle. They don't see the hit coming, and Duke just got hammered. But on the free kick, uh, you know, Callahan gave it a go. Wasn't even close. No, he kicked that ball right back to Ann Arbor. And, and on the 73rd, Philly, we saw San Pablo at it again. Yeah, he punched one out during a corner attempt. And there were times where Cisniego looked really, really well. But I will say, Kenneth Vermeer... And I'm sure a lot of you saw the same thing we did. Kenneth Vermeer clearly looked like the more confident keeper. And obviously, he's a veteran. He's a lot older. He's a decade and change older than Cisniega. But man, I'm very, very bullish. For those of you who don't know what that means, bullish is an economic term used for like a positive going up economy. He's all about it. He's all about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about Kenneth Vermeer. Now... We're talking about our friendly match. It's a friendly, right, Philly? Against Peñarol, but... Team that we have a relationship now with. We're sharing talent, academy, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. In the 78th minute, our friendly got a little fierce <laughs> and feisty. Yep. Dio and some Peñarol players gotten a little bit of fisticuff. I love Dio. Oh, I do too. I like a player that comes out with confidence, with roar, with aggressiveness, I don't know if punches were thrown because as people started getting in the middle of it, thanks to our director of match day presentation, we love you, Al, (laughs) we stopped seeing the footage. And from the press box vantage point and the fact that the teams were on the opposite side of the field, we couldn't tell what happened. But no yellow cards were issued, to my knowledge. No red cards were issued, to my knowledge. And all the players stayed in the game. So despite the fact that our friendly got fierce and feisty, play went on. Play went on indeed. I'm sure if this were an MLS regular season game, they might have had to have gone to VAR to see what happened. But that being said, it's a friendly. In the 83rd minute, the fifth of the five academy players that would play, and we did find out there were six academy players that have been training with the team all season. But the six, number 41, Mauricio Gutierrez, had picked up a knock at some point during the last week in training. So I want to give him a little bit of love out there as well. But number five, the fifth player, whose brother, I believe, Tony Avila, kind of let the cat out of the bag there on the LAFC fans' Facebook page. Armando gets into the game in the 83rd minute, subbing in for Junior Fleming. So Fleming's playing about 20 minutes or so, the Phoenix Rising product. But again, Uh, Such a big congratulations to these five players who were able to take the pitch. And of course, for number six, Mauricio, able to train with them for the entire two weeks. Your other guy from Phoenix Rising, though, Philly Schweitzer, Hmm. dude, that was a hard foul in the final minute of a friendly up to nothing, earning a yellow card. And, you know, it's the biggest cheer, Philly. (laughs) <laughs> in the I'm second I'm half. I'm so happy you're mentioning this. The biggest cheer had to come in the first minute of stoppage time on a ball <laughs> going out of bounds. 
<laughs> the ball went to Diego Forlan. I don't want to go down the department of redundancy, but Diego Forlan, we mentioned it in the last pod. The guy's a freaking legend, man. I mean, golden boot winner in the World Cup just a few years ago. He kicked the ball, and man, the bank went nuts. It was hilarious. It was just that, this little flick on with his you know, right foot. It still foot. looks good. There's it still was... a little hustle behind that muscle. The guy could have probably come in and scored a goal. Yeah, I mean, look, Diego Forlan, one of, the, one of the greatest players in Uruguayan history, just an absolute legend, like you said. The, the biggest cheer. And, you know, it took a second for it to register. I was like, wait, the ball went out of bounds. What just happened? And then you see Diego flick it right back into the field to play as if it were nothing. It was pretty cool to see. You know, in the 90th plus three, in that last minute of stoppage time. Why was there stoppage time in a friendly? Let me ask you that question. I have no idea. I said that too as well. We were up there talking about it. Pablo really trying hard not to keep that clean sheet there in the last minute. Oh, man. A, a giveaway right there into the box. He uh, made up for it, though. He, he did. He redirected that ball away. And then in the in that very last play of the game, the, the whistle sounded right after this ball goes out of bounds. Robert Herrera's header, Dude, man. He nearly punched that in. Kevin Lewis, a great pass to Robert Herrera, blasting it just wide of the goal. It hits the back of the, the the boards back there, right in front of the South End Falcons, if you will, and the Penyarol cheering section. And that is the final whistle, Philly. We start off our preseason taking out Penyarol 2 nothing in what was a really, really fun game. But, Philly, what's the tale of the tape on the stats? So, LAFC kind of took a bit of a step back. Why? Because we had a lot of trialists. We had people from Phoenix Rising. We had the young kids from the academy. And our shots on goal didn't really increase that much. But we ended up with 10 shots with 7 on target. There was 3 saves throughout the game. And that was spread out between Vermeer and Cisniega. 10 fouls by LAFC. They definitely won in that category, but not by much. Five corner kicks, three offside, three yellow cards, no red. Peñarol became more aggressive as the game proceeded. 13 shots, but here's the difference maker. We mentioned that LAFC had seven on target. Peñarol only had three. Five saves, and that was split up between Cardoza and Dawson. Nine fouls, four corner kicks, four offsides, one yellow card, zero red, and a partridge in a pear tree. Yeah, you know, the save of the match, again, go back on YouTube, go to LAFC.com, check out the save of the match. Kenneth Vermeer. Look, Pablo had a great one in the second half, too. Let's not take anything away from the game that Pablo Cisniega no, Pablo, Pablo's a good keeper, but... I'm just I I'm bullish on Kenneth Vermeer. I'm with you. He's got the international pedigree. He's got a body that's a little different than most goalies out there. He's pretty athletic. I was a little confused. I'm not going to lie. At the man of the match being Tristan Blackman, he played a very very solid defensive game back there. But I don't know. I I thought you could have made as much of a case for someone like uh, Carlos Vela or maybe look. This will be the the hot take of the day. Maybe Christian Torres with all the chances that he... How cool would it have been to have a 16-year-old get man of the match? But Tristan Blackman, look, you and I, Philly, have come to absolutely love this kid from the University of Pacific. Michael Olowokandi School. Look him up, Clipper fans. Pablo in goal looked pretty good. Kenneth Vermeer in goal looked pretty good. Nothing is going to die down about the goalie controversy from here on out yet. So that'll be interesting. But Philly... Probably our favorite mm. moment happened at the end with the shalala. So normally the shalalas and the megaphone are reserved for the man of the match. 
So most of you would think, well, Tristan Blackman was voted man of the match. He should get the megaphone. But no, the Academy players were given the megaphone. And they were the ones to start chanting the shalalas. It's the only time I've heard voices crack when they're doing the shalalas <laughs> ever. It was pretty funny. I mean, puberty was progressing within the shalalas. <laughs> but man, what an endearing moment. What an amazing moment in our club's history. And, and again, for those of you listening out there, whether or not you realized it while watching the match, you really witnessed something really cool. And if you don't yeah. know about it, well, thankfully, you're listening to Philly in the Scarf <laughs> and getting educated on exactly what happened during this match. Man, so many like goosebump moments so many just beautiful moments, an unbelievable goal, holy left foot scarf man. Oh, Adrian Perez, your boy, your yeah. Loyola Marymount Lion. The 32-52, the, the call to arms with the cell phone lights. What a day, man. What yeah. a day. It, it's, I'm very, very happy to say that the Cathedral of the Black and Gold is open for business once again. Would that when mean it, the Holy Eucharist is Julius Peppers? I will not make the my, my mother. I can just hear my mother listening to the podcast right now going, Jay, do not compare an alcoholic beverage to the Holy Eucharist. So I'm not going to go there because I love my mother and I don't want to make Carol <laughs> upset. But but you just reminded me of something real quick like from Family Guy. So we're referring like, yes. to the Holy Eucharist as the Julius Peppers. <laughs> Yes. When they were talking about fa- and Family Guy, because we like to make you know Family Guy references once or twice. When they talk about like Peter and Lois, they're in church and they refer to like wine as the uh, the blood of Christ. <laughs> Peter goes, "Holy smokes, this guy must have been wasted all the time." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was just that's a segue of fluff. It meant nothing. There you go. Our next preseason match, January 31st against NYCFC Philly. We would love to be able to go to that match, except it is closed to everyone, the public and the media. Depending on what time the match is next Friday, you may see Philly in the scarf standing outside the gates at Bank of California Stadium, watching as much of the field as we can see from the entrance, maybe one on top of the other's shoulders or, you know, kind of boosting each other up, seeing what we can see there. It, it's closed to everybody, Philly, so I, I don't know what we're going to do. We, we can't get in. There's no media. There's... Philly and the Scarf can't get in. Kevin Baxter probably can't get in. And we'd like to thank, again, Kevin Baxter. We know you're a big fan of the program. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your business card, by the way. Absolutely. We had a great time meeting you. We look forward. We're going to have Kevin Baxter on the pod, everybody. And that might be an unpopular opinion for some of you out there because you think that he's a homer. But I have a quote from Kevin Baxter. Oh, yeah. You heard it here on Defenders of the Bag with Philly and the Scarf. Here's the quote. He said, I would love to go on your pod to tell everybody out there in LAFC land that I am not a galaxy homer. That is a direct quote from the Los Angeles Times' very own Kevin Baxter. So you know what? We are a podcast for the people. We want to let Kevin Baxter explain himself. We are going to have Kevin Baxter on the pod from the Los Angeles Times. And again, we are going to let him prove to all of you that he is not a galaxy homer. We're going to give him the mic and give him a chance to grab a shovel and to help dig himself out of the 24-year galaxy hole that he had dug before LAFC came along. I can't wait to have Kevin Baxter on the pod, Philly. How cool was that that we got to hang out and meet Kevin Baxter today in the press box? And again, you mentioned it, but I want to say it too because you said it at the top of the pod. I'll say it at the end of the pod. A big thank you to Aubrey. A big thank you to Vince. And again, it's... I say this, I feel like every season, but the family that works there for and at and with LAFC, we walked in and we saw Rich (laughs) and we saw Al and we just saw Alex, Jeff, Alex, everybody, Marcus. It's just one of the Ashley. I mean, everybody 
that was there. It just made it so special for us to be able to cover this game for the first time as quote-unquote media. Uh, I know I'll keep that little pink bordered sticker for, huh. for as long as, as I shall I'm live. framing it. It was pretty cool. And again, thank you to everybody out there that made this happen. Philly, it was you that pushed to get these press passes or media passes for these two preseason games. So again, thank you for that. That was a lot of fun. And, and I think, Philly, that about wraps up this episode, episode 79 already, my goodness, of Defenders of the Bank. Yeah. And you know how we like to end our episodes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.